0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning, the final from Target Field in Minnesota. It's the Minnesota Twins eight, the Cleveland Indians 7. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And unfortunately, I did not get to watch a ton of this game. I am actually out of town right now at a wedding. So I'm doing this from a hotel room with my backup mic and uh, trying to keep it down so I don't wake up everyone in the hotel. So a little bit of a unique situation for me, but I figured, why not? Let's sit down. Let's record a podcast really quick this morning. And uh, man, the Indians, it looked like it was such a promising start to that game, right? Three runs in that first inning, two home runs to start the game, and they just cannot... Get it done. Uh, Cal Quantrill really, really gets hit around hard. He ends up giving up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hard hit balls against the Minnesota Twins yesterday. And they were absolutely locked in against him. And as much as I would love to talk about the Indians' offense, because the Indians' offense did good things, uh, I got to talk about the pitching from Quantrill first because last outing against the Pirates, Uh, A much different situation. If we go over to the player breakdowns on Baseball Savant, Quantrill only had four whiffs yesterday against the Minnesota Twins. On 33 swings, they only missed the ball four times. And to compound that, he only had nine called strikes. That's a 21 CSW on the day. That is bad. That is really bad. The sinker and the slider, the pitches he went to, Nearly every pitch. 52 out of the 63 pitches were either the sinker or the slider. He only had CSWs of 19 on both those pitches. I mean, they were locked in and ready to go. He had a couple of foul balls, but I mean, the average exit velocity off of Quantrill on the day was 92.9 the average exit velocity. That means he was almost, he was nearly averaging a hard hit ball for the day. Now, if you compare that to the Pirates outing last time he was out, I mean, his CSW isn't a ton better. It's 23%. Uh, he did get a few more called strikes, and, and they were being aggressive. I mean, they swung 36 times on 77 pitches in that outing. But his average exit velocity off on that day was 80.6. That is huge. We're talking 12-mile-per-hour. A little over a 12 mile per hour difference in average exit velocity. So you can imagine how it escalates from there. So yeah, they were all over Cal Quantrill. And part of the reason, now if we jump over to the illustrator and take a look at his pitch location, part of the reason is he was up. He was up. The slider was up and in the zone. The the sinker was up and in the zone. He was really, really sticking to the, uh, to the left side of the plate from the catcher's view. Now, if you go back to that Pirates game, things are down. The slider is down. Everything is from the waist down. In this one, everything is between the letters and the thighs. Everything against the Pirates was at the waist down. The slider was down. The changeup was down. Every changeup he threw against the Twins, uh, except for one he buries in the dirt... Uh, one he throws way outside or inside. I don't know if it was a lefty or already up at the time. Uh they're up. They're all up. Four changeups up in the zone. He was doing a great job against the Pirates of throwing the fastball high and throwing the sinker hardened down. Did not do that. Um did not do that against the twins. Barely threw the fastball against the twins. So yeah, so. Quantrill definitely, I mean, there's plenty of strikes here, but he's the type of guy that has to keep the ball down or he's going to get hit hard. And that's exactly what happened against the Minnesota Twins. And uh, it came in chunks, right? It came in some big, meaty chunks. That third inning, it happens really fast. Well, first off, let's just say that the defense... There were times last night that the defense looked spectacular, and there were times when the defense looked like absolute garbage. Like the first inning, Arise, his triple to right field absolutely should not have been a triple. In my book, that's a single with a two-base error. There is no way Josh Naylor can let that ball uh, eat him up like that, get past him. So Arise hit a line shot to right field, 96.2 96.2 miles per hour off the bat, so it's our first hard hit ball of the day, and you only unexpected batting edge of 320. It's okay if Naylor doesn't think he can catch this, and he's got to take it on the hop. That's fine, but I mean, he maybe he he runs into the sun, so maybe the sun you know, affected him a little bit, but you got to be like a hockey goalie out there, right? You cannot let a ball use your body, use your glove, use everything you have to just keep it in front of you. And he lets the ball bounce and shoot basically up and over his shoulder. And I'm sorry, that's just a poor effort. That's a poor effort from an outfielder who, once you decide to play the ball on the hop, you got to get big and knock that thing down. Especially, come on, we know how much Josh Naylor likes hockey. He's a huge hockey fan. He's got to know this, right? He's got to know that you got to keep that ball in front of you. So, the official score in Minnesota gives him a triple. I don't know about that, but they're able to bring it in. So, a lot of crazy defensive things happen like that. Later, his next triple, you got Harold Ramirez out in left field sliding, doing a baseball slide to try to knock the ball down with his foot. If you have two options to dive with your hands, where you can have your glove, where you can, you know, adjust to the ball and knock it down, or sliding with your foot, I get what he's trying to do there, right? I get it. He he didn't have the angle on the ball. That ball was gonna roll all the way to the wall. If he stays on his feet, does he corral it really quickly and change a triple to a double? I mean, the runs probably coming to score anyways, but he does that slide and ends up kicking the ball. And that's the, I mean, that's the decision right there. The decision between diving, right, and sliding on your belly and sliding with your foot. You you don't have any control with your foot. You can't catch something with your foot. I mean, maybe something the size of a soccer ball, yeah, but not a baseball bouncing through the grass. You're never going to knock that thing down like you think you're going to knock that thing down. So that ends up causing some extra bases. So yeah, so Quantrill did end up with some Bad luck defensively. He also had some great plays, right? Uh, They were able to throw out uh, one of their speedy runners. What is his name? Nick Gordon. They were able to throw him out at third base. That was a pretty good defensive play. Um, Josh Naylor made a leaping catch in right field. That was a pretty good defensive play on a ball that was smoked out there to right field. So he did have some good defense behind him. It it was just one minute the defense looks great, and one minute the defense looked just awful. Just awful. And that really hurt Quantrill um, more than anybody else, I think, pitching for Cleveland last night. Wickering just got hit around hard. They were just locked into Wickering's changeup. So yeah, so they have a big four-run inning uh, that after the Indians were up 3-1, to one, you really thought, I mean, these offenses just slugged back and forth. I mean, they just traded blows. We score three in the first, they score in the bottom of the first. They put up four in the third, we come back and tie it in the top of the fourth with two runs of our own. So it was just, a we score in the fifth, they score in the fifth. A back-and-forth game until that sixth inning, which... I mean, the fifth inning was really the backbreaker, right? I mean, the fact that we had just we had just taken the lead six to five, we had just come back and scored three runs, you know, to come back and take the lead back six to five, and then we go out and give up this run. This was another unlucky play. This was Sandlin this time. Sandlin looked like he was in a spot to get out of things. He came in in relief of Quantrill with runners on first and second, and instead gives up a bloop single on a pitch high and tight to Nelson Cruz, a pitch Cruz had no business um, no business hitting in play for a run. It was a sinker from Sandlin up and in under the elbows of Nelson Cruz, and he just fights it off a bloop into left field, and Ahmed Rosario tries to do the running with his back-to-the-plate basket catch and just cannot come up with it. I'm not going to say that was bad defense. I'm just saying... That was a really, really lucky shot from Nelson Cruz. The expected batting, well, the expected batting average on that was 750. Seven, okay, so that's just some bad bat bip right there. That's just some bad luck for uh for Sandlin. 750 expected batting average on that bloop, 64.1 mile per hour exit velocity from Nelson Cruz. If you told me Nelson Cruz is hitting the ball at 64.1 miles per hour, I'm saying we got him out. Not that it goes for an RBI hit. So, yeah, so interesting things happening all over the diamond, and that's how you end up with a big offensive day for both teams. That's how you end up with an 8-7 to seven kind of day. All right, let's get into some more storylines here. Uh, like I said, Sandlin coming in relief, I actually like this here. You know, they talked about it in the past with using Karinczak as this As this weapon that could come in at any point in the game, right, when the game is really on the line. Well, I think the game was pretty much on the line here, right? He ends up walking in this inning. Quantrill looked like he was going to be able uh, to, you know, give the Indians some length. He gives up a single to Andrelton Simmons, ends up uh, after a fly out to a rise, walks Donaldson. So you're thinking maybe he can get out of after a rise. After he walks Donaldson, Kirillov already had a homer off him in that big inning. And so they decided to go to Sandlin. And what does Sandlin do? He strikes out Kirillov. I love that they went to Sandlin in this situation. We talked in past episodes, does Sandlin have the potential to be a closer? And uh, this is the perfect way to kind of test the waters on that. Bringing him into tough situations. So what does he end up doing? He ends up striking out Kirilov. And he ends up getting Cruz to bloop one up. It just fell in the perfect spot. I'm not blaming Sandlin on that one at all. And then he gets Polanco to fly out to end it. So yeah. I think, I think Sandlin did prove his mettle a little bit. Even though he gives up the run. I think he proved his mettle a little bit. And um He was doing a good job uh, locating his pitches. Pitching uh, the slider, sweeping across the zone. And then he was attacking up and in with the sinker and with the fastball. And then sweeping the slider across. He didn't throw that many pitches in the game. But it's a good combination of pitches. The uh, fastball and the sinker, high and tight. And then the slider sweeping across the zone. That's a good combo. Wickren comes in a relief next. And he just, everything is in the zone. Everything is in the zone for Wickren. It is... They swung seven times against him. Six were put in play. One whiff on a fastball. Seven swings on 13 pitches, only one whiff, no foul balls. Six balls put in play. The average exit velocity of him was 97.1. Think they were ready for Nick Wickren? I mean, you can't fault a guy for throwing strikes, but he threw these change-ups away to the left-handed hitters that were in the zone. We're talking at the thighs in the zone, and they were taking them the other way. And, I mean, that's what you do with a changeup away. You take it the other way and drive it out into that gap. And uh, so, yeah, so Wickren has a tough day, almost throwing too many strikes. Uh, and, and that would prove to be costly for the Indians because he would give up those two runs in the sixth inning and there was no coming back from that. So that's what was going on on the pitching side. On the hitting side, literally everybody at the ballpark had a hard hit except for Jose Ramirez. Would you believe that? If I came up to you on the street and said, Did you see that Indians game last night? Man, everybody was hitting the ball hard except for one player. Who was it? Jose Ramirez. You'd be like, Get out of here. Come on, baby. No chance. He's the only one without a hard hit ball on both sides of all 18 batters yesterday. He's the only one without a hard hit ball. Um, So yeah, the, uh, the everybody on the lineup contributed in a kind of weird way, right? Uh, Nobody had more than one hit. Nobody on the team had had two hits on the day. A couple people were on base twice via the walk, but nobody had a multi-hit game. They had their one moment, and that was it. Ahmed Rosario, huge laser home run to start the game. What was the exit velocity on that? 106.6. Follow that up. Uh, Eddie Rosario reaches on a fielding error. He scoots one underneath the glove of Polanco, who's charging in on the shift. And uh, like I said, there was good and bad defense from both teams. Both teams were like that. They'd make big bonehead mistakes, and then do something incredible. Uh, And that brings up Bobby Bradley. And Bobby Bradley, behind in the count, behind in the count, launches one to deep center field. It looked like a slider that was supposed to be down and away. And instead, it hangs right there for Bobby Bradley. Let's see if we can go to the results tab. And uh, they were using an opener. In this one. And uh, the fastball to Ahmed Rosario was actually in off the plate just a touch. And he cranked that one. He was ready for an inside fastball from Coulomb. I think that's how they said his name Coulomb. And uh, this was a slider that the catcher was definitely set up off the plate for Bobby Bradley. And he just left it spinning in the outer third of the plate. And Bobby Bradley could reach that. And uh, I wanted to highlight this yesterday in Bobby Bradley's. One of his at-bats, he was working ahead in the count. He laid off a pitch high. He laid off a pitch low. He got the count in his favor, and he got one to hit in the zone, and he fouled it off. And he ends up, like, grounding out the next one or something like that, which, you know, kind of highlighted to me the fact that you truly get, like, in Major League Baseball, maybe one pitch to hit if you're lucky in at bat. And this time, Bobby Bradley did not miss. He crushes this ball to dead center field. 106.9 mile X velocity for Bobby Bradley. And, I mean, it looked like barely any effort to hit it 106.9, right? It looks so smooth, that swing. So that was Bobby Bradley's big contribution on the day, his big home run. He would actually score two runs. Uh, he would walk later in the game and come in to score. So a pretty good day in the box score for Bobby Bradley, even though it's only one hit. Um yeah, Josh Naylor would have a, a home run, but his wouldn't come until the ninth inning. Uh when he cranks one out, he walked and uh but didn't score earlier. So that was his only RBI. His only run scored was a solo home run. Bradley Zimmer gets a hit, but it's not until the ninth inning. And then he gets thrown out going into second, trying to get a double. It's an unlucky bounce off of the corner of the seating that kicks the ball right back to the right fielder, but He had a chance to turn back. I mean, Bobby Bradley had or Bradley Zimmer had a chance to read that ball and turn back. Instead, he gets thrown out going to second when we needed somebody on base. He could have stole second. I mean, you can't really fault a guy for being aggressive there. He gets what should be a double down the line. It just takes a bad kick off the wall. And then Austin Hedges delivers big again for the Indians. He gets the big two RBI hit in the fourth inning with the bases loaded. That uh that ended up tying the game in the fourth inning. So Austin Hedges, one hit, but it's a big one, delivers two runs with the bases loaded. I think that's two days in a row or two in the last three days where Austin Hedges has delivered big like that. So uh, yeah, that's your Indians' offense. Everybody had their one moment. Their one moment. They just couldn't string enough together. There's a bunch of multi-hit games over here for the twins. And what the twins were doing, what the twins were doing is exactly what you want of an offense they were setting things up with the bottom of the order and then delivering at the top of the order nick gordon two hits yesterday their center fielder their eighth hitter Uh, three hard hit balls two hits for him he would only score once because he was thrown out going to third base Uh, anderson simmons two hits he ends up scoring three runs on the day and then you flip it around, so four runs scored from the last two hitters in the lineup. You end up flipping it around, three RBIs from Arise, two RBIs for Donaldson, two RBIs for Kirilov, and an RBI for Nelson Cruz. Literally, the bottom of the order was setting up rallies for the top of the order. That's spectacular. That is a spectacular recipe for success in Major League Baseball. The bottom of your order guys get on, your speedy guys, your fastest guys on the team get on, and then all your hitters stacked at the top of the order can drive them in. That is huge. The top of our order, Cesar Hernandez goes 0 for 4. Ahmed Rosario has the solo home run and then 0 for 3 after that, and Jose Ramirez goes 0 for 4. So even if the bottom of the order guys were setting things up, the top of the order was not delivering. So there you go. That was the game yesterday. You know, uh it was it was an, it was an interesting game good plays and bad plays from both teams both teams made some boneheaded plays out there in the field both teams made some great defensive plays uh neither pitching staff was very good uh kulam acted like an opener for griffin jacks griffin jacks was started in um started in the minors but they haven't trusted him to start a game yet in the majors, they keep opening for him. He pitches one inning against the Yankees uh, in early June. That was more of a relief appearance. He then acts like a, I don't know, what do you call the second pitcher that comes in after the opener? I The actual start of the game against the Yankees the next day. Goes three and a third innings, does better. Goes four innings against Seattle, gets hit around pretty hard, gives up four runs in that, and then goes four and a third against us and gets hit around a little bit, gives up three runs against us. So is it working? Is it working using an opener in front of him? I don't know. It seems like he's getting hit hard. He's given up 11 runs in 12 innings. His ERA is at 7.82. So is it working using an opener in front of him? I'm not sure about that. The rest of their bullpen is able to shut things down, though, uh, Colomay, Rogers, and then Robles in the ninth doesn't give up two big hits, to be honest. But he's able to get out of it, and he's able to get the save. So, yeah, the Twins just, I mean, come out on the top end of a slugfest. It was an absolute slugfest between the two teams. I mean, 15 runs scored between these two offenses is an absolute slugfest. Uh, so, yeah, they just got the last punch, right? They landed the last blow. So, it hurts, but... But White Sox also lost yesterday. Doesn't hurt terribly. It's a four-game set. So we still have a chance here to make this a viable series, right? To make this a productive series. We got Henches going against Maida. Today, that's a 2 o'clock game. And then Sunday, it's still unannounced, going against J-Hap. So again, will someone get called up? Is this a true bullpen game on Sunday? You know who's going to be that opener? Too will the opener opener be Maton? Will the opener be Trevor Steffen? Who are they going to use in that situation if they do go full bullpen game? Because we've seen it against us, we've seen bullpen games against us. We're all of a sudden that start. Remember that Kansas City series, their opener ended up going like three, four innings against us, right? So could an opener for us, a Trevor Steffen, do that? We saw what happened with Phil Maton when he hits that twenty-six pitch mark. So I don't know if Mayton is the guy you want doing that. Trevor Steffen, maybe. All right, so we'll see what the Indians decide there. It's a tough loss, but at least they were slugging, right? At least they were fighting all the way to the end on this one. Quantrill definitely has to keep those pitches down, induce weaker contact, maybe get a few more swings and misses. I mean... Going over to his baseball page, just before I get out of here, going over to his baseball page on Savant and going to the percentile rankings, his whiff percentage is in the 10th percentile. His strikeout percentage is in the 12th percentile. That's the bottom of the league. His expected batting average is in the 8th percentile, bottom of the league. Uh, Yeah, they're all bottom of the league. The only thing is the hard hit percentage was in the 85th percentile. So that was something he was doing okay. Not yesterday, though. His chase rate is the 70th percentile, but that just means they're going out and getting those pitches. If your chase rate is high, but you're expected batting averages at the bottom of the league, yes, you're getting them to swing outside of the zone, but you're not making it hard for them to hit. So, yeah, so... the Oh, boy. Quantrill's got some work to do still. Uh, it was a good start against the Pirates. Not so great against the Twins. It's good that he battled. We're going to have this. We're going to have this. These young pitchers... They're not all going to be Corey Kluber, Shane Beavers, right? They're going to. This is this is normal. What we had been seeing was abnormal. This is normal for a young pitcher to, to struggle like this. To all of a sudden gets stuck in a big inning where he can't get out of it. This is normal. So we'll see if Quantrill figures it out in his next start. All right. That's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Target Field in Minnesota. It's the Twins 8, the Indians 7. I'll be back tomorrow to talk a little bit more about this Twins Indian series. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.